Hey, Culture and Conversations family. I'm your host, Jamison Smallwood, and I'm about to make you part of the conversation. Hey, guys, thank you for supporting Culture and Conversations by downloading, by sharing, and by listening to this podcast. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, swing by iTunes or your favorite podcast application and write Culture and Conversations a five-star review and let people know that, hey, this is good material and a good podcast to listen to. This week, I have a great interview with Allison Waters. Allison represents a charity that I have a loose affiliation with, known as Choices of the Heart, found in Statesboro, Georgia. And Allison shares her experiences helping women during a very difficult time in their lives when they are faced with crisis pregnancies. Up next on Culture and Conversations. Yes, I'm your host, Jamison Smallwood, and this is Culture and Conversations. Thank you guys once again for your support. Thank you for downloading. Thank you guys for listening to. Thank you guys for sharing the podcast. It really does help everything that you do, every like, every share on social media. It really does make a difference in people becoming aware of culture and conversations. I want to apologize for the late release of this episode. This has been a crazy week. I have been busy with my other part of my life and I just have been swamped with different activities and different things going on. But um, I'm glad to be able to bring this episode of Culture and Conversations to you. I just want to give a little bit of housekeeping um, and get this stuff out of the way just so that you guys can know what's going on with the show from a micro sense and also a macro sense. So one of the things that we're big on is transparency. That's part of what makes culture and conversations rock. So as I share my life, I want to share what's happening with the podcast as well. And one of the things that I've done is I've actually formed a production company called Smallwood Media Productions. And some of you may have been familiar with that from seeing me ask questions about it on my social media um, accounts, just getting feedback about different names for the company. But what I want to do is take all of the media that I produce culture and conversations, uh, what we are going to call at some point renewed mind ministries and another show that I'm working on that I'm still, you know, getting the thoughts and stuff around, but basically all that content, everything that's going to go on the YouTube channel, when we get that up and running, everything that's uh, going to be produced in terms of the podcast and other media that I'm going to generate in my church work and other, other avenues that I generate media into when I do occasionally, um, some motivational speaking. I'm going to put all of that under the umbrella of Smallwood Media Productions. So what does that mean for you guys? Nothing much other than you're going to have a lot more content as you know. I develop different show ideas and different concepts. Um, I'm also working on some just different ideas about how to present media. I've got some goals. One of the goals I want to do is record a web series. So if you're someone who has an idea for a web series and you want to help developing it and you want someone who has some resources to help develop it, then I want to, you know, be the production company that you go through to get your idea birth and and create it. Also, it, it also means that culture and conversations, the podcast, um, also any other other stuff that we're going to do is going to, at some point, we're going to try to monetize it. So what does that mean? Uh, you know, is that going to mean advertisement? Uh, maybe. Does that mean sponsorship? Maybe. But more than likely, for the short term, it's going to just be an attempt to get people to patronize the uh, media that I'm producing. So 
we'll do Patreon accounts and just give people an opportunity to support it. Um, you know, and we'll see how much support there is. But for me, the first thing is I need to develop the audience more. So that means that I need help from you guys before I need any of your money, quote unquote. But I would like you to just to help by sharing and telling people about the podcast and just, you know, giving people the information that, hey, this is good material and this is a good podcast. So and as the audience grows and the opportunities to monetize it will be there. And eventually at some point, then I'll, it'll be a self-supporting podcast where, you know, it just pays for itself in terms of the equipment and the hosting. So, um, you know, there has been an investment made on my part, but that's not something that's your problem. That's my problem. And my problem for you is to make sure that I give you great content and give you an opportunity to hear good, interesting, thought-provoking conversations and cultural insights that helps kind of stir the pot and also be entertaining because everything on culture and conversations isn't uh, deep and and introspective. It's it's a lot of fun as well and just silliness and some things that, you know, I, sh- I, I share with my friends and conversations that I have. So, so I hope you have some insight now into what's going on with culture and conversations as we transition into our conversation with Allison Waters, the executive director of Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia. Allison comes to culture and conversations by way of my friend, Gloria Goosby, who introduced me to Choices of the Heart. Uh, they were looking for help in purchasing a refrigerator for their office and me having a charitable heart and especially a heart that's sensitive to what they're doing in the work with helping women. I decided to, you know, help by buying their refrigerator. So they're a small organization that helps women in the Statesboro, Georgia area, including Georgia Southern University, uh, to deal with the difficult choices that come with having a crisis pregnancy. Um, you know, full disclosure, they are a pro-life organization. So they do encourage women to take every measure possible to save the life of their child, their unborn child. And they try to address the practical challenges as well as possibly some of the spiritual challenges that come along with that. But one of the things that I liked was just their perspective about trying to provide an alternative to people and another perspective in a very difficult time in, in, in the life of a woman. So, um, you know, one of the reasons I like this conversation is because I'm always trying to grow as a man and learn about, you know, what I can do to be more empathetic to women and understanding issues that women hold near and dear to their heart. And these conversations, like the one I had with Allison, go a long way to helping me advance from being ignorant to the topics and and considerations of women to also, you know, growing and just understanding and having more empathy towards women in these difficult times in their lives. So uh, up next on Culture and Conversations, my interview with Allison Waters uh, with Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia. I had the privilege of coming across a great organization in Statesboro, Georgia, Choices of the Heart, that helps women in their community deal with crisis pregnancies. And I was blessed to be able to speak with Allison Waters, the executive director of Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia. And she is now here with us to chat a little bit about what um, her organization does and the work that they're doing in the Statesboro, Georgia community. So I'd like to welcome to the conversation, Allison Waters. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. That's great. That's great. So, Allison, tell me a little bit about the history of Choices of the Heart that you guys 
um, um, have going on in Statesboro? Sure. Choices of the Heart started um, back in the 80s with a group of ladies at Trinity Presbyterian Church, and they realized that there was a need for support for women in our community facing crisis pregnancy. Um, and, and crisis pregnancy can look a lot of different ways. People assume that that, sometimes they assume that that just means unwed mothers or um, something like that. But there are a lot of factors that can play into what would make a, a pregnancy seem like a crisis to a woman. Um, but they realized that, that this was happening and that there wasn't a good ministry to help these women. So what they did is they uh, got a landline there were no cell phones then, and so um, they got a landline, and they would take turns monitoring it, or um, they had an answering machine, and so they would take turns answering these messages for mm -hmm. these women. And it grew out of that. And at first, that it was just this group of ladies sort of doing it on their own, and then um, Choices of the Heart was incorporated in 1986 and grew um, enough to be able to get our own facility, and at that point it was just a counseling facility. So uh, women would come in and uh, meet with counselors to talk about their options, and it was just, it was more of a, um, kind of like a mom and pop sort of thing, that, that might not be the best description, but that's how it started, and then sure. they got more support. Um, we moved to a bigger facility and then started looking towards becoming a medical facility, which is what we are now. So at this point, we can confirm if people are actually pregnant. So the question is, the first question is, am I pregnant? Okay. So we do um, pregnancy tests to answer that question. And then we also confirm with ultrasound now, which is huge for the medical part, obviously, but then also for the ministry part of it. Um, and I can talk a little bit more about that later on. Okay, great, great. So Choices of the Heart started off as a group of women out of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Statesboro who were interested in helping women who would find themselves in crisis pregnancies have an understanding about some of the options that they had to uh, preserve the life of their pregnancy if they wanted to. Um, you mentioned crisis pregnancies looking differently depending on the circumstance of each woman. So, Allison, in your experience, what would we what would be some of the factors that would define a crisis pregnancy for a woman? Well, because we live in a college town, we see um, more college students than we see not college students. And so for college students, it's frequently, I am so close to graduating, I don't want to have this baby and mess up this plan for my life. Okay. Uh, also, there are definitely financial factors with college students because that's not a that's not a super rich population. So that comes into play. Also, the relationship that a woman has with the father of the baby plays a large role. Other than her own decisions, he has the most influence over her decision to choose life or to not choose life. And so sometimes those relational factors, what kind of um, relationship those two people have with each other can be can cause it to become a crisis. Okay, so that's a great that's a great segue into some of the ministry aspects of this. You know, I, I work with a men's ministry at my church. I'm actually the president of, our, of my men's ministry at the, at the church, and I, I'm interested as a men's ministry president to hear you say that the relationship between the mother of the child and the father of the child has a huge influence 
over how she views the pregnancy. Right. So with that, with that piece of information there, what are some of the ways that the that men in these situations can, you know, positively or negatively affect how a woman would see her pregnancy? Well, it, he. I guess I should start with saying sometimes we see people who are in a relationship with each other mm-hmm. who who are having a baby, and so then I think um, in those situations where he. If he is already committed to her in a relationship, that is supportive to her emotionally. So okay. um, then, then that can, you know, he can go. Well, I want to have this baby with you. We have a future together, or at least she knows him well enough to um, make her own mental judgments about how would he look in my future if we get married. How would he look in my future if we break up? But he's still the father of my child. Um, but sometimes we see people who are not in a committed relationship with each other who um, are pregnant um, with the baby. And so then frequently he'll say, I don't want to pay for this baby. I don't want to wow. continue a relationship with you. And, of course, I mean, those are not supportive statements. So then she's looking at how am I going to deal with um, with him as the father of my child if he already doesn't want me in his life? How am I going to deal with this if he is not willing to financially support me? Am I willing to go through child support enforcement? You know, all these things. Am I willing to tie myself to a person who doesn't want me and my baby in his life? How can I cut ties with this person? Um, so that the relationship they have with each other um, determines what kind of questions she has in her own mind. Oh wow, wow! I think that's I think that's somewhat obvious to to me and and to to my listeners. But I think sometimes when we say these things out loud, it really helps us to understand the nuances of that relationship dynamic between men and women that can produce these moments where a woman feels like she is in a crisis pregnancy. And it helps me because now I have some things I can go and teach upon and tackle. When I talk to the younger men in my church who, you know, are, are dating and who are who are going into relationships with women and engaging women to help them understand that, you know, part of how she looks at herself and her ability to, um, you know, obviously have children, you know, that those things are tied to, you know, how you support her, how you in, interact with her in her life. And you want to create a situation and a circumstance in her life where she feels that she has the best success possible, uh, best chances for success possible for having children. And uh, I think that's a great, I think that's just a great bit of a encouragement and admonition to men is that as we go through life interacting with women, we can, we can either help her to feel supported, to feel encouraged in all things that she does, including having children. But or we can be a hindrance to that where we force her to make some very difficult decisions that she may find herself herself in a crisis situation. Right. And sometimes the pregnancy brings to light the differences in how the woman has viewed the relationship and the man has viewed the relationship. So if there's not been any explicit conversation about this is where we are as a couple, she may think because we're in an intimate relationship that it's it's about more than just sex. But for Mm -hmm. him... It may not have been, and because there was no, you know, that's not something men who 
are only interested in sex are ever going to bring up in the conversation. And, um, you know, so sometimes the, the pregnancy itself brings to light the misunderstandings in the relationship. And then oh. that leaves, you know, like sort of the the floor drops out for her at that point. Oh, wow. So not only is she having to deal with how is she going to take care of this this child and, and what are the provisions that she need to, needs to make in her life to take care of this child, she's also dealing with the brutal reality that she had a misunderstanding about this relationship that she was in with whoever or this situation she was in with whoever she was she was um, you know having sex with so wow that 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 is a lot going on there you know um, that can create that sense of crisis that you described earlier so Allison I want to ask you a few more questions here kind of getting us um, deeper into what you what you guys do there you mentioned the population you serve you know, obviously a town that has a very large college in it, a very large university in it. And with that, how do you guys make yourselves, your services known to that population of students so that they know that they have a resource in Statesboro or in the surrounding area to pursue um, help with these decisions that they're making around pregnancies? That has been a challenge for us. Georgia Southern is a very liberal university, and um, they have very specific rules about who can post information on campus. And so we take advantage of the of the, the community events. Like um, every semester at the beginning of the semester, they invite businesses and different nonprofits to come and set up tables. We do that. We try to get involved with campus ministries and have more um people who are actually at the university every day that know about what we do because it's not a thing that comes up in everyone's life, but you don't ever know whose life it's going to come up in. So you want as many people as possible to know what's out there, whether they ever need it or not. Chances are eventually they'll come into contact with somebody who needs it. So we try to go through campus ministries. One of the struggles of the getting involved in the college is there's always turnover every year. 20,000 people leave and 20,000 new people come. And so mm-hmm. that's a good thing and a bad thing as far as um, advertising. But we're looking into um, boosting our search engine optimization. And that, the goal would be that when a woman picks up her phone and searches abortion in Statesboro, that we come up first, that she sees that um, first. And so we're learning all the um, all the, the tricky parts about AdWords, and we want to we get in that gap between – her searching for an abortion and her contacting the abortion clinic. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You guys are you guys are competing in the uh, marketing space with the other alternative that is so readily sought out out in those moments. So you guys want to you know show up you know as 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 prevalent in the search results as uh, as the other alternatives that you described there. You know. Yeah. I think the piece that I'm curious about now is just you mentioned that Georgia Southern is a very liberal university. So with that with that stance philosophically and politically, do do they are they supportive of you having a relationship with their health services on campus? Um it seems to me that it seems to me that you guys would would sort of fit into that into that space as well because that may be one of the first places a woman would go if she had you know, she had a crisis pregnancy, she would go on campus to see what options were available through the health services. Yes, and that has been a real um, blessing for us this year. We had a meeting with 
the doctor that's the head of the health center and our medical director, they know each other um, outside of work. And so he got us a meeting with the doctor and their mid-levels, their um, nurse practitioners and their physician's assistants. And we sat down with them one morning and we were able to explain all of our services and they were able to ask questions about what we do. And so um, because they're a state organization, they can't recommend us over anybody else. But we did get our information in their resource packet that they give to women. So uh, we've already had two people that we know of have come to us from the Help Center since that meeting. So that has been a great relationship so far. And I, sometimes there's a, a misunderstanding about what crisis pregnancy centers do, and it's partly founded because there are some centers who give out um, false medical information or mm-hmm. they um, they present themselves as a medical clinic when they're not, but we are a medical facility. We have a medical director. We have um, nurses. We have sonographers. We are not. Um, we are not a political organization. We're not trying to change people's m- political views about abortion. Sure. Uh, we are just presenting their options to them so that they don't make a decision without having all the information that is available to them. Well, I think so. When we were able, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that's a great distinction that you make there is that in this in this space that we live in now where people champion choice, I think that we have to understand that the best decisions are made with complete information. And I do, I do think that we have seen in the past, to your point, certain organizations take advantage of people's ignorance about certain things around pregnancy. And I'm glad that you guys are using your organizational platform to bring people's awareness to all aspects of a pregnancy so that they can make the most informed decision that they can about the life of the, of the pregnancy that they, that they already find themselves in. And, um, I'm just glad to hear that aspect of your, of your, um, of your ministry work and your organizational work, because I think a lot of times people think that it's purely a political, you know, motivation or purely a, um, a motivation founded in some agenda, but you guys really just want people to have the best information possible. And you believe, I think that once you have that best information possible, they'll make the right choice in, in terms of um, what they should do with, with the pregnancy. Yes. And you were about to make us, you were about to finish your point there um, earlier. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you on the, on that. So you can continue with your thought there. <laughs> I'm not sure which thought I, was finishing there, but when you said that, I wanted to also um, say that we also have a post-abortion healing ministry because we know that women um, do have some emotional issues after they have abortions. So Mm -hmm. we have clients who come in for counseling, pregnancy tests, ultrasound, and then when they um, make their decision, if it is a decision that's not for life, we know that they also need support after that as well. And so we maintain that relationship with them, um, excuse me, to walk them through the healing of the loss of their pregnancy, um, if that's been through abortion or miscarriage or whatever. So we're as a pro-life organization, we are not just focused on you can't kill that baby. We're, our, our ministry is um, is affirming life of all the people involved, and that includes the mother. And so we support her through these decisions, even if she doesn't do what we would think is best. We are still focused on sharing the love of Jesus with her mm-hmm. in, 
regardless of what decision she makes. Yeah, that's great. I think I think that's the piece that um, I'm interested in in highlighting now is that you said something there that was key. You said that there's even a healing uh, ministry where you help provide counseling and encouragement for women who have had abortions. And I would have never thought about that aspect of a pro-life organization offering those services. But I think oftentimes that's part of what's missing from our dialogue in this country about the topic of abortion and, 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 and the topic in topics of life in general is that we don't tell people how there are genuine consequences for the here and now that come from how we treat life. And you guys try to tackle that in the life of women who have chosen abortions. And I think that's, I think that's really fascinating to me. So what are some of the things that you observe, Allison, in these women who have had abortions when they come to you for, you know, grief counseling of some nature, you know, what is it that they're, they're expressing to you emotionally about the loss of their pregnancy when they come to you? Well, having all been raised in an abortion-friendly culture, we were all born and raised after Roe versus Wade. So there's this rhetoric, like you were just talking about, of, of this is this is the answer. You have a pregnancy you didn't intend, then you have an abortion which will empower you to continue with your life unhindered. Well, that doesn't leave room for the loss of the pregnancy. When mm-hmm. women become pregnant, um, they become mothers at that point. Whether they parent their child, place for adoption, or choose abortion, having a pregnancy creates a mother. Oh, wow. And so um, then, then women are faced with, well, I made this choice. I need to stand behind it so they don't give themselves room to grieve that loss or um, to even deal with the shift in their life's path. Um, it, it's... I think society sort of places this um, idea on people that they need to own that choice and um, and just be happy with it and present it as this was a good thing that happened to me, even though that even though that there is always a loss in that. And um, people need that time to grieve that. They need that time to process it. They need to think about um, different the ways that it does affect them mm-hmm. emotionally. And I feel like people don't always have a safe space for that, to be able to say, I chose this, but it still hurts. Or I chose this, but I still am not sure that that was the right choice. They, they need a space to process all of those things safely. Yeah, You know, that's a great point, Allison. And I've I've known women who have experienced abortion and, and I'm not, and you know, I don't have this large sample size. So, you know, listeners of the Culture and Conversations podcast, please forgive me for this generalization. But one thing I will say is that there is definitely a hurt there that I don't think is well understood before they go down the path of having an abortion. And to your point, the way the the way it, it is often portrayed in in our culture is that. If you simply have an abortion, everything's going to be better. You're, the pregnancy's done. You're, 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 it's over. And I'm not a mother. I, I, biologically, that would be impossible, right? But 
I know that me, I've experienced um, divorce and I've gone through a divorce and I know I had that same delusion that, hey, once my divorce is over, then life is going to be back to exactly how it was before I got married. But there is a loss there that you cannot describe before you go through divorce. So I can only imagine as a mother, to your point, when you conceive a child, you do become a mother, that, you know, I can only imagine what that's like, even though you knowingly um, went through this process of having an abortion, you don't get, you don't hear people tell you the, the stories about the emotional consequences that women face with these things. And, 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 and I think that's something we have to obviously continue to help people understand um, advisedly that, Hey, you know, these things don't come without consequence. And no matter what co the culture tells you, there's something deeper. And I would like to say supernatural that informs us that, Hey, this isn't something that just simply happened and you're going to walk away from it unscathed without any sense of what, of the gravity, the gravity and the, and the seriousness of what you just did. So, right. you know, I, I think that's, I'm glad to hear that you guys offer that space, those safe spaces for people to um, obviously pursue healing because it is a necessary thing. And, and those consequences, there are consequences to those experiences and, and those experiences do shape us as we move forward. Right. So, you know, you, you guys are ministering to people in a very, like you said, a very um, abortion-friendly culture. And you guys are tackling these really difficult and really sensitive issues. As someone who will never experience a pregnancy... What are some advice, what is some advice you can give me, Allison, as someone who has a heart towards women who are dealing with these issues? How can I, you know, offer a level of empathy so that I help them, you know, walk and navigate this path as best I can to finding out what the right choice is for them and their pregnancies when um, they express a situation or a circumstance to me? I think asking people uh, what their practical needs are is very important. To, to get to a, a place with them um, relationally where they would be comfortable sharing with you what their needs are. So in, instead of, it's easy to be sort of a stranger in this situation and go, you know, you really need to choose life because X, Y, Z, whatever. Sure. People are, are not necessarily going to digest that or take that to heart, if you don't have a relationship with them mm -hmm. that's real enough for them to be able to say honestly, well, this is why I'm considering not choosing life. Um, so I think just getting in there with the hard things, It's sometimes it's not easy to um, to get in somebody else's crisis and to, to listen to the details of how they got there without being... Um, without being, judgmental is probably not the right word, but without thinking, oh, well, there's your problem right there, or, well, you should have done this differently, or if you had only done this thing. So I think just just getting to a, a place with a woman where you can just listen to the story objectively and go, okay, well, you're here now. How can I help you practically at this stage of it? Does, does that make sense? That does. That does. Because one of the things I, I try to use as a teaching point when I, when I minister at my church is that I try to help people understand that your Christianity 
has a has a a foundational set of doctrines to it and these teachings inform our decisions day to day but i often say that god will tell you the god will tell you the why but he doesn't give you the how and so in our culture you know we are uh, you know we're expressing a heart for the unborn children that are 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 found in these crisis pregnancies and the how of it how do we go about like you said dealing with the day-to-day practical the actual needs that this that the mother has that's the how of the, of the of the of the call that we have on our lives to do these things right so you know while we can go around and just you know you know to your point quote scripture and quote doctrine to people and summations of of teachings to people we have to also get into the crisis and actually be willing to do the work of hey you know okay you need transportation you need a you know you need income you need a place to stay you need food you need shelter you know you need clothing the at the actual work that is required to take the idea of what we've been taught through our you know Christian faith and take it into you know actually make it materialize in the world and a lot of times we just we miss that I think you know when we are dealing with people in ministry and that's something I've tried to be more mindful of in my own pursuit of ministry is that if I'm not I can't just teach a person I have to also you know actually show that person and and give that person what they need as best I can with the resources I have in order so that they can be successful with trying to apply the Christian doctrine in their life. Absolutely. So, so as we kind of wrap up here, Allison, um, let me, let me ask you some, let me ask you so we can end on a, on a, on a high note. Um, are there any success stories that you guys can share, um, from choices of the heart where you can talk in generalities, obviously not specifically about anybody, um, but just talking generalities about some of the things that you guys have been able to do, with helping women uh, make choices for life in their crisis pregnancies. Yes, um, I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories real quick from last year. We had a mother, a mother whose daughter was pregnant. Her daughter was in college, and, and the college student was pregnant. And the mother called, and she initially said, "You have to convince my daughter to have an abortion." And so I started telling her what we could do. We could offer her a pregnancy test. We could offer an ultrasound. We could offer her options, counseling, and these things. And so the woman's like, well, she can't have this baby. You're, you're going to have to convince her to have an abortion. And so I had kind of gotten to the end of what I thought I could offer her in the conversation. And so I, I said, well, would you just talk to our director of client services and see if she can offer you some more options? So. I hooked them up. Um, our director of client services does our options counseling. And so she and the mother have this hour-long conversation, and the mother is just dead set on my daughter's going to have an abortion. This baby is going to ruin her life. We have worked so hard to get her to this point, and we are not going to let a baby stop us now. And so they, they just continue. You know, we our position does not change. We mm-hmm. uh, we believe that choosing life is the best for the mother and for the baby, and that that's not going to change. And so, um, the director of client services got her to bring the daughter in. She just said, "Well, just let me let me talk to her." And so, the woman brought the daughter in, and they had some conversation. And we realized that the daughter um, did not; she was not as adamant about having an abortion. She was listening to what her mother said. Um, the mother was making very valid points. I mean, you, it, yes, a baby totally will change your life and it will make it harder to 
go and do the things um, that you want to do. That's true for all of us, no matter when you have a baby or what situation you're in. So anyway, so they agree to um, have the ultrasound, and the mother and the daughter were in there, and as soon as that little baby popped up on that screen and that heartbeat filled the room, the the grandmother realized that was her grandchild mm. and that life was worth doing hard things for. And so um, then that, of course, changed the whole course of the the situation. The baby was born in February, um, and I, I'm not going to say everybody's going to live happily ever after. I wish that was the case for everyone. Sure. Um, they are certainly grateful for this baby, and they're doing it. They're they're making it work, and so that's that's what we that's what we want. We want to um, support people in this and help them do something that's best for their families, whatever that looks like. Wow, wow, that's a touching story. I'm reminded of an interview I did on my podcast, and the, the actual title of the episode is "Moms Make the Best Cheerleaders." And it was, I interviewed a, a woman that I went to high school with whose son is being recruited nationally to play college football. And I wanted to, you know, to talk about what that experience is like, you know, having so many people interested in her son's football career. And what actually emerged in that conversation, Allison, is a conversation where she described when she became pregnant with him in high school, she was 16. And she described the very this very idea of a crisis pregnancy, her sitting down with her family, them trying to decide what they were going to do, would they have an abortion, would they keep the baby. And, and she decided with the guidance of her family to keep the child. And now here it is 16, 17 years later, and he is, he has grown into a young man who is, has a chance to go on to play college football and, He's actually being recruited by Georgia Southern University as well. He got an offer from them to come play college football. And he is, you know, he, he is actualizing and materializing his life right before our eyes. And she's thinking back reflectively on that difficult day that she had to decide to keep him and, and to choose life. And yet she's being rewarded now with the hindsight of seeing exactly what his life grew into. And to your point, it wasn't easy. There were some, obviously some, some, some sacrifices that she had to make. But I love what you just said in the um, before you gave that 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 account of the mother who decided to keep her baby is that life is worth making hard decisions or choosing hard or doing hard things for, and you know you see all of these things come together, but you don't get those you don't get to see it because um, oftentimes because you know abortions are such a easy. And I say easy, relatively speaking, right? But there's such a quick fix to what you know, you know, what most people think to be some type of a lifelong sentence or problem, and uh, it's just not true. You know, there's just so many blessings that, that come from choosing life if people would only open up their heart uh, to pursue the opportunity of giving life a chance. You know, so. Well said. So well, Allison, you know. How can people find out more about your organization? Uh, let's let's give them some information to, in terms of your website and your social media presence, if you have one, so that people can be sure to know that there's a resource in Statesboro, Georgia, and the surrounding Statesboro, Georgia area that can help uh, when these crisis pregnancies arise. Okay, our website is choicesoftheheart.org, 
And then that links to our social media and all of our other contact information is on there. We have um, a feature on our website where people can make appointments straight from there. They don't actually have to call and make the appointment. Um, and then all of our um, all of our other Facebook and that kind of stuff is also at the bottom. So people can click on that and go right there. That's great. That's great. And one of the things I tell people all the time when I have opportunity to have guests like yourselves on um, the podcast is that, you know, if you're in a, if you have a heart for this particular subject, this particular area of ministry and community involvement and engagement, and you, but your church doesn't support that, they don't have a ministry that actively addresses that. Well, then I, I encourage you to, you know, partner with Choices of the Heart financially and offer them support. They have a donation page on their website as well. Um, I, I, I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done, as usual. I, um, whenever I mention donating something to a cause or to a particular organization, I have an affiliation with them as well. I, I've made a donat e-donation in the past to them. And uh, one of the things that I want to just encourage people to do as they listen is just consider doing that. If you have a heart for this area of ministry, but you don't have a organization that you're a part of, then to be a part of what they're doing in the Statesboro, Georgia area is just as simple as you logging onto their website and choosing to give and support what they're doing because it is truly um, a, a labor of love for them and it's a mission of the heart. So um, that's just my encouragement to continue to, that if you have an interest in this and you have an interest in this area of ministry, then uh, please can you know can consider supporting Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia. So, Allison, thank you for being a part of Culture and Conversations. Thank you for being a part of the conversation, and I look forward to you know hearing more of the great stories about the work that you guys are doing in the Statesboro, Georgia area. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank Allison Waters, Executive Director of Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia, for being a part of the conversation. Hey guys, that brings us to the end of Culture and Conversations. Be sure to look up Choices of the Heart in Statesboro, Georgia to find out more information about the organization. You'll see information linked in the show notes and it'll give you an opportunity if you're so inclined to support what it is that they do to help women and children uh, in the Statesboro, Georgia area. So with that, we're coming to the end of Culture and Conversations. Thank you guys for your patience this week. If you want to interact with the show, Culture and Conversations is the Facebook page. If you'd like to hit me up on Instagram, Culture and Conversations is the Instagram page. And if you'd like to send an old-fashioned email, cultureandconversations at gmail.com is the email address. And as my goddaughter would say, My goddaddy made this. That's right. Y'all be good. <laughs>